Celine Del Carmen Alvarado clinches her fist and hits her handlebars after losing the two-up sprint to Lucinda Brand at Neil. That's right, LB, Lucinda Brand, a.k.a. the Pounder, the Watt-dropping, group-attacking, Linus, giving prime time a little hammer time. Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 208 of Cyclocross Radio. We got another episode of the Media Pit in store for you with Michael and Zach. We're talking about Neil and Leuven and breaking down those races like they're going to be broken down nowhere else across the internet. So thanks for joining us. Check out our sponsors, Willa's Oat Milk. Go to willaskitchen.com. Put in the offer code CROSSHAIRS20. You're going to get 20% off the best tasting oat milk available, and it will show up right at your door. So go take care of that. Also go to wideanglepodium.com. Become a member. The only way we can continue to bring you these shows, bring you everything we do at the Wide Angle Podium Network is if you join. A very small percentage of the people who listen to this show actually contribute to the network. We would love to grow that, bring you into the community. So wideanglepodium.com. Go check out everything going on there. As well as a YouTube channel. We got some heat checks up there. I got some other things brewing. I'm going to be putting up on the YouTube channel, Cyclocross Related. So go check out that. Become a follower. Like and comment on the videos. Like and comment on this podcast. Go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. That would be huge for us. And that's about it. We should get started. Hey, Dan, thanks for the cold open. All right, let's get into the pit. We're talking Neil. We're talking Leuven. We got Michael. We got Zach. And we're doing it right now. We're back in the media pit. It's been a busy week. Michael, how's it going? Bill, I am absolutely losing it over the way that Shweek rode this week. We'll take it. Zach, what's up? I have to admit, I mean, I we've had to go, you've had to like call for the righty, you know, the last couple of weeks. We've had to make the call to that bullpen car. And I'm not going to lie. That was my backup pun. <laughs> Oh, backup pun. Well, let's 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 see what the starter has to give. Well, no, no, no. I mean, oh, as the backup, like if you're if you're making that call, if we're going to the uh, if we're going to the um, you know, to the if bullpen you're going car to the farmers market. Beautiful. Good. Good. You're he he's back, to- guys. Guys, <laughs> Bodie, he's back. <laughs> Was he ever gone? <laughs> just no, it was just a down couple do we, weeks. Do we, we, all, get, we all have do some we, off weeks. Do we need Bodie to get Becca? Back. Do we need to get Becca on the phone to to figure this out? <laughs> oh no, she yeah. I mean, she would. She's much better at that game than me. So, um, but seriously, guys, I can we just kick it off with the the main question that's on everybody's tip of their lips right now? Zach, what's what are we asking? What are we thinking right now? Michael, I got a question for you. And, and to be fair, we did get this from a couple a couple listeners, and we really appreciate that. Michael, is Lauren Sweck elite? Zach, drum roll. Yes, he's elite. Whoa. I've decided. I've decided that after this week, Sweek, in my mind, has his he's reached elite status. And I, Zach, you put out an article 
uh, a blog post this week. It was great. You went over the whole our whole category system of the riders from elite to subtopper to midler, and you asked us for some homework, and I didn't give you all of my homework. It was it was my it was my fault. So I wanted to just quickly. I think that these things are fluid. So I think that Sweet can be elite this week, and that might last a few weeks. But if he starts, you know, landing in the seven to in the Verdon shot zone, you know, again, then he's gonna lose his elite card. Whereas someone like Ellie, not the best of weeks. Coming off his Euro win, still going to hold on to that elite card. So that's my brief explanation. So it's more of a state. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and I think that was kind of, I think, why the article was necessary. I mean, I think I referred to it that we had the Is Lauren Sweck Elite, which is just the, the roller coaster of life. I mean, just the, the roller coaster of our of our existence. But you're right. Elite is is a feeling. Um, and these are feelings, too, which I felt like, which is why we needed the subtopper, topper and midler classification is like, you could point to the UCI rankings. But like, is that really as much fun? Is that as much fun to just be like, oh, there's a number, there's a number, and that defines you. Uh, so I like that this is, it's a feeling. And I, you know, I think we kind of got at that, um, you know, in terms of our definitions and the joint effort that we put in to, to compile those rankings. So again, if you don't know what a topper, subtopper, or middler is, or what we're talking about, you can go to cxairs.com and read Zach's breakdown on all of this. You're welcome, Bruce. Okay. But we should get into right away why, why Lauren Sweck is elite. Had two races that we need to cover. We had Jamarca Cross and Neil, and then we also had Leuven. Let's start with Neil, and just, just to mix it up a little bit, let's start with the men this time and get right into it with um, the literal shit show that was Neil. How about that de- that that descent the the worst the worst descent that those riders had to take on? But I just love the plop, and I think our friend Becca would appreciate the plop with the no fans. They had the camera right there, and you could just hear the sucking noise. Like that was just reminded me of like Jingle Cross mud or something. Yeah, the the yeah. sucking just of them pulling the you know they had them all pre race. You know we got pictures of everybody doing their race recon before the race and just this slow walk and they're all there with their buddies like the men and the women when they're all walking through there and they're just laughing they're just walking through this deep mud and just every time they lift their leg this ankle deep mud every time they lift their leg up it was like and then and then that's yeah and that was like early in the race and it came after this pretty harrowing descent i mean you were flying down there and then you got to the bottom or a step from the bottom and you had to dismount and, and just be right into the run right away. I mean, it's, it's one of those things, you know, when you're going to the park for your local cyclocross clinic to, to learn how to cyclocross, that's not the, that's not the skill you're learning. You're not learning to bomb the hill, get off in the middle of it, shoulder your bike and run through deep mud. And it was early in the lap. I mean, it was like straight off the front. We start out the race Lars Vanderhaar sort of gets it wrong right right off the bat is is muddied kit and is fighting back from the beginning but just like every other race Zach we got the Tormund Towers out there out front Hugh leading the way <laughs> Corne right there they're, they're 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 showing off the jersey every race 
do you think that maybe that's what Quentin is doing? Is it more of just because, you know, it is an easy jersey to see. And I think we do catch a lot of them uh, early in the races. We do see those guys, you know, and it's I looked up too, and I was like, oh, Quentin Ermans is he's in fifth place again, like halfway through this race. Like, how did this happen? Yeah. Uh, you know, but then Lars, you know, he finally got his uh, his stuff together and was kind of kind of moving up or whatever. But yeah, another. Another hot start for him. I it feels like you know in writing that article, it just feels like Cornet's a little off where he was last year. I feel like he was always kind of in that like fifth, sixth zone, and he's just he seems a little off uh, his game this year. Yeah, and the interesting thing was right from the top, you had so you had Quentin out front, and then you had Tone who was leading the chase, and and then like the the theme of the season just really Michael got got right out there in the open right from the front because he got. Tone, and right behind him is Sweck. Right behind him is Mikey V. Right behind him is Ailey, and right behind him is Ryan Champ. Like that, Zach? Yeah, working it in. <laughs> and and that, it sort of sets the tone for the whole race right there from the beginning. Well, I mean, it's interesting, right? Yeah, because so, but Sweek immediately goes to the front. Um. And he he does a couple lookbacks to see, unless I'm getting confused. But no, he right. goes to the front, and I, so this we'll, talk, we'll back up. Talk about Neil, right? It's like the Home Depot cross, and although they they kind of changed the course a bit, um, you still had the trucked in sand, you know, surrounded by pallets of home furnishing bricks or whatever. But Sweet goes to that sand, rides it clean. And gets his gap, and that sort of like set that sets to me the the tone of the race is that that he's going to ride these sections so much cleaner, the sand and just the muddy sections better than anybody else, and really use that to his advantage. Is that um, is that part of the eliteness that he knows? I mean, is he looking at this race saying nobody can do what I can do here? I need to be out front. I mean, Sweet Sweet got he has the spice, man. He's like he's like Quizer Hatterdatch. Sorry, I had to. I had to look that up. I don't can, know. How can to I? Say can that. I do this? I, and I hate this. I hate like the body language experts and all that stuff. But you know what? Like Lauren Sweck looked good. Like he looked confident. He like he just looked like he was actually racing his bike. Like we know that he can, instead of just being like, "Oh my god, what am I doing here? Everything looks terrible." And I felt like he's just kind of been like that the rest of the season. Uh, I thought he just had a little bit of. Uh, is is there a swag swag? If there was a swag swag, whatever that might be, it might be his massive calves. He's got the um, spice. Was, I'm telling you. Yeah, no, and he looked he looked great, right? So he gets a gap early on too because he just totally owned the Home Depot sand section, um, and it seemed like that kind of was the theme of these two races a little bit of the usual the usual game plan kind of getting thrown out the window and. Um, I don't know. We were talking about it in the green room. I, should we go to the call or? Do yeah, let's wanna... uh, let's uh, check in. We did actually get a call about the the dyna- the team dynamics here. So let's um let's load this one up. Hi, this is Russ, aka Donut Endurance, and I'm watching the midweek Super Prestige late on a Thursday night. I was wondering, what do you think about Sporty Spice chasing down the other sauces? Really, just going at it in that new kit. How do you think uh, the team meetings went down after that? So I'm not seeing that chase down. And then seeing uh, Sporty hopping on Tune Arch to act like a good team player. 
so my my take on this so what what we what we got here is is that team dynamic we were talking about and it it did seem like if you look at the race Ellie Ezerbeat who uh I, I like this because uh Russ Russ referred to him not as as sporty sauce but as sporty spice so the the confusion is already going in there to go along with Michael's Sweck having the spice so it's all it's it's all coming together but he was seventh he was seventh coming into the second lap and then decided i need to chase down my boy and and sort of goes and sort of takes the whole field on his back wheel and tries to track track down Sweck. so what do you think the conversation is what's what's going on in 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 the team bus i think at this this i mean Whatever the conversation is, Sweek has the upper hand, right? He's like, yeah, whatever, dude. I just won these last two races. So I don't know if your Euros jersey got a little heavy and you've had like really bad starts. But if you are going to, if you're going to drop the ball like that, I'm taking advantage of it. And I won these races. So it's perfectly right, perfectly in my right to be the team leader at that point. Oh, so you're going second race. What do you think happens after after Neil? I mean, spoiler alert, go to the end here. Lawrence Swack is going to end up winning this race. We'll, we'll just get that out of the way. But but what what do you think, Zach? I mean, what's what's the conversation? Well, I think there's a double standard. I think that we've established that it's Ailey's team and he gets to do stuff like that. I mean, I could see him equally as well cuz he does he was not an innocent bystander in the Tonarts kind of you know, drags back to the front. I think that he was helping encourage that and, you know, putting in some digs in there. And I bet he would have been upset if it was the other way around. I mean, you ended up with that, you know, the three of them. But how many times have we seen it where Ailey gets really upset because Swack does is not supposed to bridge or it's usually Swack. Who are we kidding? Um, so I don't know. I, I'm just curious to see and this. We'll get to this in the second race. But, you know, how the dynamics have changed, because we've talked about this on previous episodes where it seems like. Sweck has even had to step into that role where he's uh, playing for Sporty Sauce. Yeah, and it, the the only the only argument I think that Ailey can make here is that this was a super prestige race, so there are points on the line. So if he's trying to win the series, if he has you know bonus money dependent upon winning the series on top of just the series prize then that's a that, that's a motivation for him to get there but as it turns out he basically brings the race back together on his own uh it, it, this is the, like the one time that tone is able to benefit from the sauces not just getting on his wheel and and negative racing against him he's actually able to have Ailey bring him back there uh and then it is really those three again right it's Ailey Sweck and Tone, who are going to duke it out for the for the rest of this race. Can we just briefly? I want to talk about what you brought the standings in the in the series. Um, you know, there actually have we've had three winners. Tone won the first one, LA won the second one, and now Sweek has won the third one. So it it it's sort of there the, in terms of that team. They both have a pretty fair stick at being the leader in that series. I mean, right now Ellie leads. By one point over tone and then you know i guess four points over sweet but interesting to see that so far we've had three winners in in this series um yeah and as the as this race progresses you know how it works out you had tone ailey 
and uh, Lauren's up there at the front. Mikey V's back there trying to chase them down. We have this really cool feature in this. I mean, for me, it's cool. It's it's very Sven Ness esque. You know, this this big long berm with a high line and a low line. And I think we're going to talk a lot more in the women's race. It really played out just perfectly in that race for something really cool to watch. In the men's race, uh, Sweck was determined, and I think he he may have even you know tried both lines, but he knew if he could just get to the top of that thing, and he was putting in big efforts to stay there. That was sort of the key. He had to come off that berm first, and that's kind of what he was racing for because around two more turns and he's into the sand, you know, and his goal was lead the sand every time. The one time he did not, he was in third coming through there. Ailey was able to get through, tones right in front of Sweck and just, you know, gets it wrong and has to dismount. It's the only time I think Sweck had to run that sand the whole race and is, is kind of, you know, pissed off at Tone. Tone, I think, was a little embarrassed, and then he elbowed uh, Ailey coming out of the sand to get back up to the front and go again. And that's how this sort of worked out. I think Eric's really new. You know, it's it's been sauces versus Tone for so many times that he was like, okay, I'm going to lead from the front. And that was kind of the plan. And it was looking like it was really going to play out to be a cool finish for the last two laps you know they're coming into two to go and they're all together and then michael what what happens well they go down a little drop and we see tone sort of like dab and we shortly see um that he gets a flat front flat did you Um, did you guys realize it was a flat right around because they just he comes down there flats just seeing it you know watch it a couple times and finally say oh yeah that's where he flats and that's where he's kind of soft pedaling through there and then, you know, Ailey gets by and then Sweat just manhandles him in a, in a chicane coming, coming to the finish to get around. I mean, it, there was no mercy. This was like perfect cyclocross because there was no mercy. It was like, dude, you're not going fast. I'm putting you into this barrier. Yeah, I did catch that. And I think that, you know, I think he recognized that something was up with Tone and didn't want to have to burn that extra match to... um because it was like right before a chicane or whatever. I think he just didn't want to burn that extra match to catch uh, to catch Ailey. And it was just like, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> get out of my way. Uh, I'm going to let you finish. So they come back around, same thing. And now it's just Tone and Ailey. The, the, the thing, I mean, we got to give Tone credit. You see him back there. He's not giving up at all. I mean, he is just burying himself in third place. But he's a good, like, three, four seconds off for the rest of the race. And I thought this was really Sweck's finest performance because he was able to keep Ailey behind him and not let him pass. You know, we talk about the sprint before the sprint. Like I said, it was getting to that berm first. If he could get to that berm first, he could get to the sand first. Once he got to the sand, once Sweck got into the sand, he had it won, and it, and it played out perfectly. He made it all the way through. Eddie Lee made it about halfway through, had to dismount and run, and then just didn't have enough time to chase him back by the end. I feel like, um, you know, and I was surprised a little bit that Ailey didn't try to harder. It looked like he, he just looked like he didn't have a little, that extra pop in either of these races, but I was surprised because, like, look, I knew it. You knew it, but you're right. As soon as you got to that berm, it could be like the, by God, that's Lauren Sweck's music. And then they start, you know, 
the start playing enter sandman and it's just like it's over you know with like it just gets to the crescendo when he gets to the sand and it's just like by god that's lauren swex music and i want to do this because bill you were on top of this too it's a very musical theme so he wins the race and we had a little bit of a jay-z homage and it was beautiful (laughs) (laughs) a little dirt off the shoulders coming on there so here's here's the sand off his shoulders. There you go, Michael. The, the, here, here, I got this 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 question for you again. I'm, I'm gonna bring you back to the road. We had Lamond and the Badger. You know, Lamond was gonna help Hino win the tour, and the next year Hino was going to repay the favor and work for Lamond in the tour. And Le, instead, Hino just fought him the whole way and raced him the whole way. And after it was all over and Lamond, you know, fighting against his own team was able to win the tour, you know, was like, great job. I was just trying to push you to bring out the best in you the whole time. Do you think that Ailey Ezerbeat is, you know, and he was just, he wasn't trying to win. He was just trying to bring out the best in Lauren Sweck. That's, that's presupposing that, that, Ellie is a fan of cycling and, and knows his history and and appreciates good story and drama. I get the feeling no. I, I get the feeling that he's a little pugnacious guy and he and he wants to win. But you know, they got to that start finish and Sweck had a gap and, and Ellie Ellie had nothing. He couldn't even um he couldn't even try to get onto Sweek's wheel to try to try to do something to sprint. And Zach, you you said it, like Ellie the last these last two races hasn't had that pop. And and I I made the joke that that the Heavy is the head that wears the Euro Euro Champs jersey, man. So Ailey doesn't have the pop. Tone hasn't done the, have the pop, and Sweck wins. I mean, is 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 it just that simple, Zach? Uh, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I would say after one race, right? Like after Neil, you're like, <laughs> you're like, <laughs> you know, doing the uh, sarcastic capital lowercase capital lowercase capital. Like is Lauren Sweck elite that I do after every one he wins? But, um. Man, you know what? I said I was getting sick of the statement rate stuff, but you know what? Like, I think that he came into <laughs> that uh, Leuven with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And I, d- I don't know. Like, I mean, we'll see what happens, but like, I'm kind of excited. I'm excited that we're going into this next weekend that Lawrence Sweat could win three races in a row and just completely blow up. Everything in the men's field with Wouten Pitters coming back the next weekend, and it won't matter. Ooh, ooh, I love it. I love it. Also, like, yeah, he could he could take the lead in the Super Prestige Series, too. I mean, and you want to talk about being elite, you're winning the Super Prestige Series. You know what, Michael? Is there is there anything that is more Sweckian than him winning three races in a row, sticking it to Ailey, and Wouten Pitters coming back and just stealing all of the thunder and just sending him like way back into subtopper zone. I is it's beautiful. I don't think you could write a more perfect story to the Is Lauren Sweck elite story, but let's talk about the race. <laughs> yeah, let's let's skip right up to the uh to Leuven and the and the men's race there. Cause honestly, I don't I don't have a ton of notes on on this one. Maybe you guys have more to, I mean, I, I think there is, is stuff to talk about, especially once the 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 race played out what the what the strategy was but basically it 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 came down to Lawrence Weck and Tony Eretz being able to get out in front of this race and it, it was a good race it's the kind of races we still like you know as long as you got two people up there racing it's going to be it's going to be a good race what happened though was 
tone was forced, I guess, to lead the from the front, to race from the front the whole time. And the question is, Zach, was it that Lauren Sweck knew that he didn't have to take a pull because the rest of the sauces were, you know, 10 seconds back. And if they slow down the pace, you know, they, they were out pretty early. I mean, a couple laps into the race, right? They're, they've already established this lead. If, if, if anything happens, he has three or four teammates that, that can take it from him. Or are we in this, hey, that's not how cyclocross works. And why the heck is he just sitting on the wheel and taking taking the win in the sprint, you know, and, and from that, the, the other, well, let's just start with that. You know, it, what was that the right move? What, what do you think the, the, was it a smart strategy or, or not? Well, I was curious because I mean, again, uh, <laughs> I guess like, uh, you know, since we all listen to the GCN race pass and our, our boy Jay Powes, you know, he was kind of making the point. He's like, Oh, sweat can just sit in and chill and hang out here and make Ertz do all the work. And I was like, I was confused because like, if I'm Sweck, I, and it seemed like early on he was putting in some digs, but then you're right. He just went into like, I'm a let tone, just, you know, muscle at the front. But I mean, if he wants to, to make, and that's why I'm kind of wondering about what their team dynamics are is he seemed content to maybe even let if Van Turnout could get his, his ish together and pull back up. I mean, it was clear that Ailey wasn't, it wasn't happening for him, but yeah, I was, I was surprised that he wasn't like, Hey, like, I feel like last year in the Ezer beef, he would have been like, let's go, let's open this gap. Let's get this out to 30 seconds. And, you know, sorry, Ailey, but like this one's mine. And I felt like he left the door open for his teammates to come back and make it a race. And I was, I was confused. Okay. I, I will, I will pick it up here. So Zach, he sits on the whole time. It, it turns out possibly, you know, plays it correctly. They don't catch up. Tone is forced to do all this work. This is the, this is a sprint, super long sprint. You're in a better position coming into second. We get the classic setup that we talk about all the time in cyclocross. Oh, the bike is set up a little differently. You're in a more upright position. You're just as strong uh, sprinting from the tops as you are from the drops. All the roadies see that and they go, no, no, no. You got to sprint from the drops and not the tops. And then we see it go back and forth. Who wins? How does it play out? Tops, drops, what's going on? Uh, tops uh, were not the toppers in this one. Droppers were the toppers. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Sweck went right to the drops. I think he came around that corner already on the drop, so he was already in it. I mean, I thought it was interesting. Um, I mean, you could see too, just from the view, you could, I, like, Sweck's butt was like way up in the air, and he just looked in a much better position, and he had that extra. And I wonder if that's part of it, where Tone is doing the classic like hole shot sprint, right, where you're on the the tops, and Sweck was was on the drops, so. I mean, he took it second week in a row and, you know, he made that move and he was able to just bury Ailey the other day at Neil. So, I mean, clearly a strength of his. So I just wanted to say, you know, just talking um, one thing, speaking about GCN, uh, Jay Powell's work, he really talked a lot about these last two races, uh, Tone being a late, late racer and that, you know, maybe some of that buttness that we saw earlier, Zach, was was Tone trying to be super aggressive and and pull a Vanderpool? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, we saw that he would have he almost would have been there in uh, Neil if he hadn't got that flat. And then you did see him, you know, obviously go to the line after starting out pretty hard. 
in uh, Leuven and just, you know, having to do the work so Swack beat him. But it was interesting to see, like, I'm not sure if Tone is back yet, but I I feel like he's getting some stuff straightened out. So we're seeing a strong Tone come into this next period where all the other uh, folks that we're excited about will be joining in. So... I, I agree with you, actually, 100%. Um, I think that they've probably looked at that, studied the film, uh, and you're right that I think he's playing it more to his strengths and not trying to be someone he's not. So I concur. Yeah, it's going to be good. I think everybody's going to come into this. You know, we had a lot of races in a row, so I think everybody's going to come into this next weekend pretty rested. It's really interesting, too. You know, we, we, we talk about that, like if they're tired after doing this race. They're used to every other season, they're racing two times a weekend. So it's almost like they're racing less this. Well, they are racing less this year. So it's it's kind of interesting. It's a, it's a whole different ry- rhythm than I think these guys are normally uh, prepared for. And and we see it at times where some guys and and women are better like Sunday racers and Saturday racers. You know, with a with a race in their legs, they come out even fresher the second days. And and we really haven't had that opportunity yet since all of the races were. Uh, placed on days that did not conflict with road races while the road season was still going on. That's no longer a conflict. So I'm assuming, I haven't really studied the schedule, I'm assuming we'll be going back to two-day weekends here pretty soon, right? I mean, that's that's what I'm... I mean, I think it's worked out for the better. I think these races have been better, and I think they're higher stakes. I think you see riders, even when they're dropped, putting more in riders putting more on winning them i mean if there's two in a weekend and you're third you're just like eh, whatever we'll save it for sunday uh but now you're seeing them i don't know it just seems more intense and maybe that's just because you know a testament um to some riders stepping up you know sweck is stepping up and the women's side we'll get to that in a second is just bonkers but i don't know it i don't know it just it seems like the racing is a little bit more fierce this year well, I think let's not forget that we had a bunch of World Cups um, that got canceled. So, like, next weekend, there was a World Cup and the Telenet Prestige. So, that's kind of opened up the schedule. Speaking about um, speaking about the schedule, I, d- I do want to know, and we're, we'll probably go back to Neil and talk about the women, but just Leuven was the first chance for us to see, catch glimpses of a lot of American uh, riders who, who made it over. Um, and who are still sort of getting their feet wet. But it, it, I would just had the thought that, you know, at this point, we American fans had have, have seen them in person go hard, do the World Cups. We've seen them, we've, we've been able to, you know, sort of get a gauge on where they are and, and how they're riding. So, you know, we all kind of think, I don't think most of the U.S. riders and, uh, and fans were not expecting much out of them this weekend as it's sort of like the first race back. Um, and so it's, you know, I know we got a call asking about these American riders. So, I mean, Bill, do you want to go to that? Hey, yeah, guys, that. this is Rolando with uh, Mississippi Cyclocross Project and Mississippi Cyclocross Cup Series. I wanted to see what is y'all's opinion in regards to the Americans, Americans heading to Europe within the next few weeks to race. Um, who do you think? of the Americans, both men and women, uh, will be the one that's going to be shining the most. Um, um, not expecting them to immediately be um, within the top ten. Um, however, um, more than likely, um, 
Compton is going to be battling with the ladies, but who do you think is going to shine the most with the limited to none racing in the U.S. happening? Um, who will be shining the most? Thank you, guys. I appreciate all you're doing, and I love the, the, the podcast. And, uh, I, I, I wish you all the best, and you need a big sponsor to fund, to fund a charter plane for you all to fly to Europe for these races. All right. Take care. Well, I'm I'm definitely in favor of that last point. Can we take a rain check on that? Can we get our charter plane for next season to go to go to Europe? Maybe Gives us an extra year. Gives us an extra yeah. year to to find that money. But yeah, what thanks. do we think? I, I'm going to start out and take the easy one. I think Curtis White's probably going to do the best for the men, because uh, I I think he might be the only that's going to be the over only there. one. <laughs> uh, I mean, we haven't heard. I, I don't know. I do. Do we know? Hides plans at all i i mean that that's the thing we just don't really really know i know gage heck wants to go over there and race i know there are some other folks but for now curtis is there uh you know we we had a whole um hubbub come up you know the the, the belgian cycling federation continues to keep moving the goalposts on who is going to be able to race and how many people are going to be able to race they keep making it harder and harder which set off some alarms on social media today with how they were going to limit, you know, non-Belgian racers. And, you know, it was basically if you were in the top 50, you were good. And other than that, you know, it was this whole, you know, system of qualifications for who was going to race, but looking through all of them and trying to figure it out and going back and forth with people. And then I, I, I went and looked at the field sizes for the last four or five races and none of them are even close to 75. So we haven't even gotten to the point where this, this is an issue. So it's kind of all for, I, I think at this point it's still sub in, unless something changes drastically and a lot more non Belgian racers decide to start racing. Uh, I, I don't think it's, it's going to be an issue. If it is an issue, I think that like for now, Curtis, at least on the men's side is safe. I think that, you know, Katie Compton is safe. I think isn't uh Faringer's in the top 50, uh, Clara's in the top. I think Katie Keogh is the only one that's over there right now. Who's dropped out of the top 50 along with, uh, Corey Coogan Sizik as well. But every, um, that's kind of how that plays out. But all right, Zach, putting you know, on the spot, Rolando's uh, question here: Who who do you think is going to shine? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, he kind of got at it. I mean, my answer to this was going to be Katie Compton. I mean, I think whatever it is, I think that she has clearly unlocked the secret. Whatever the secret is of being successful in Europe, and I don't know. I was joking in the green room. I, you know, it's clearly coming to the end of her career. But just with the way that she rides in the mud, I'm convinced that she could she could be a top ten rider in the mud at least for the next next decade. Just with that muscle memory and her steering and the the grind it out. Whatever whatever the secret is, like Katie Compton is just I think unlocked that secret. Yeah. You know what the secret is. They were waking up at 3 a.m. while they were still in Colorado. That's their secret. So when they get over to the Belgium, <laughs> they're able to just hit the ground running, and they're right on the right time as they get there. Michael, what do you got? Well, speaking of that, I mean, uh, Rebecca Farringer definitely, you know, let us know what it was like to try to adjust to the, to the jet lag. Um, but I got to say, you know, last year I spoke about the vlog bump. Uh, 
T-Bex has done two episodes so far, so I'm, I'm giving her the tip. She's getting the vlog bump. She's going to get her uh, schedule uh, set right, and uh, I think she's going to hopefully turn it around and have some good good races. Bill, you don't you don't get to skate here. What's who's your pick? Oh, okay. I I, I thought you wanted to talk, Zach. I was uh, I was letting you come back in. <laughs> My pick. Well, I mean, who's going to shine? Well, right now, I, I you know, if you if you want to give the vlog bump, I'm going to give the stars and stripes bump. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see what Clara Hansinger can do. I I will say, and you know, we're we're going to get to uh, the race that she was in in a bit. I will say, you know, very gentle little criticism for Clara needs to go forward at the start. I think that would be the biggest thing that we got. We know we're seeing her. She's getting this nice starting position, but seemed to drift a little too far back there before getting going and uh, uh, sorting things out by the end. A nice race, but it's like, oh man, if you could, you know, if she could hold on to that position a little longer, I think she could do really well in these races. Yeah, I, I can. I can just. I'm. I can only imagine what it's like that the a lot of the racers. Their first race is you know, a Belgian CX race. So uh, it has to be only up from here. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Hey, should we talk about uh, this? These uh, women's races, starting with uh, your market cross. Yes, please. All right. Yeah. Uh, my my first note here is that we had an early Ellen Van Loy sighting, and that lasted until she <laughs> ate it in the mud at about two minutes in there, which I was like, if I'm Ellen Van Loy, I'm like, this is my season right here. This is how it's going. I, I was I was feeling good. I was out there, and then we, you know we talked about just that treacherous drop, and then that long mud run, and then she was kind of just you know from there out of the picture and uh, prime time and worst, uh, really really controlling this from the front. One note that that I'll make there just early on. And this is something that we've seen throughout these races. Uh, Lucinda Brand, like eighth, ninth, tenth place, you know, coming out of the mud, just like the 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 the, the confidence in the dangle at this point is just <laughs> almost getting to levels of obscenity. Zach, I, I mean, it's uh, I love Jamie Driscoll. We all love Jamie Driscoll, and I, I, I think that Lucinda is clearly on another level, but like that's why he was the dangler. He never had that top end, but like his motor, everyone was just scared bonkers of Jamie Driscoll's motor, and that's what Lucinda Brand had. Like Jamie's a much better bike handler too. Um, but like everyone was just like you did not want and I, I just think back to um Hyde Nationals, the one in Hartford where Jamie was finished second and Hyde was like, he was like, I was scared shitless, dude. Like, I knew he was there and I was like, just going nuts like, because everyone knows what he can do. Um, can I, I saw a point like, I guess about this, can I just keep blabbing on? Um, I think, so you mentioned the the plop drop and we saw Anne-Marie Wurst take a plop uh, and she kind of um, ejected herself from the front of that race. But so we've seen in some of these other races where we've got prime time and worst at the front, and they're very clearly scared of brand for obvious reasons. And we'll get to that. But you would see them put in attacks to help open up that gap and make brand use more energy. And, you know, I think that Primetime maybe didn't have it as much, but she kind of let Betsema just do the work and there was no dynamic of pushing the pace. She was just kind of like, all right, I'm going to let you do all the things. And I felt like Brand got in earlier. I feel like Primetime and Worse need each other to get rid of Brand. And if Brand gets back too early, that's bad for them. 
I, did you guys notice that? Yeah, I think so. And then just worse being taken out of it really just, you're right, it just changed, changed the whole dynamic. Can we, can we talk about the worst crash for a second yeah. here? Okay, Michael. Crash happens at 1542. All right. Um, I'm sorry. It happened for that. That's on my that that brings in the intro. It, it th this is the timing I'm going just because this timing isn't race timing. This is just where it was on on the recording I was watching. So at 15:42, she crashes, and then she's back on, and then she stops to fix her bike. Okay. So my question for you. And I can go through the timing if you want. Was she better off stopping and fixing her bike on this track, or was she better off running to the pits and changing her bike? Oh, man. I mean, how far was the pit? I don't remember. Let me break it all down for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The crash is at 1542. Brand passes her. So she passes her. Brand is off of her bike until 1609. And then she's back on, and then she's back off again for another 15 seconds, and then she pits at 16.54. So it's just over a minute, minute 10 seconds, and there's only like 20, 25 seconds of riding in that time through mud. My, I, I, don't, I don't know. I would say I'm not going to second-guess her, but I am going to second-guess her. I think she might have been better off if she hadn't been bending over her bike trying to get her chain back on, but instead had just picked up her bike and ran to the pits and changed out. Yeah, probably. I mean, that, that was, that was really it, right? That, that was the thing. And you know, that, like, like you said, Zach, that took her out of the front of the race and we, and we that changed the dynamic. Um, and you know, and she raced super hard the rest of the race and continued to close the gap. Um, one thing I thought was interesting um, is that because of Worst making her way back through the field, Sana Kant got a lot of camera time, which I thought was interesting. Um, usually, you do, we, we, we've had that Kant camera, you know, in the past, the, or the Nice cam that checks back to see where, you know, the Belgian champion is. Uh, we kind of lost it this year, and Worst was able to bring her back into the show, and we actually had a fairly strong ride by Sana Kant. Would she get sixth that race? So seventh the week before, sixth, sixth this race? Stock is rising. Trend, trending upward. <laughs> Here, here's a question for you, Zach. At the front of the race, we got Betsima, as we said, and primetime. And, and you talked about the dynamic there. Uh, especially with worse not being there, and you were like uh, primetime letting Betsima do the work. I think they race similar. I think both of them just want to gun it and go, and that's the thing that that kind of hurts that dynamic. That you're right. There's no. They almost need that yin and yang that worst and and uh, Alvarado have, and and with worse not there, Betsima is almost like the same mold. It's just like if I'm in the open, I'm gonna gun it. Yeah, and she, she does. You're right. Um, but I think she doesn't quite can't do it as hard. Um, I mean, it feels it's weird. Like she yeah. does this high cadence, um, you know, just drag. I mean, it's not even like I don't know. It's not I, she just has that really high cadence and she just goes yeah. really hard and it's really hard to keep pace with, which we saw at Leuven, especially at the end of the race. Um, Let's talk about the one thing that she did do differently that was on this 
high-low berm section, which, you know, when we're talking about the men's race, I think some of them dropped down low. And I think actually Sweck, there was one time where I think it was even Ailey was trying to pass him down there and he was just like, uh-uh. And he just sort of gunned it and was able to, to chop him at the end and, and keep his position. But Betsima had this line nailed where she would go halfway down the top and then just really like like a track racer, just dive down to that blue line and then and then roll off of there and was able to come out on the front from from that position and it worked out really cool in that she was doing that for a lap and i think she actually got out front you know picked up a couple of positions prime time was staying on top and then alvarado we talked about it before she's she, she pays attention i mean she just is able to observe and adjust during the race and she makes the adjustment and she just starts following betsima down there every time and that's 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 kind of the move to the point where it came down to the final laps and she knew Betsimo was going to dive down there and she's beat her to the move. And I think that was a really key part of that race. So do we, do we want to jump to the last lap? Is that one want to, is that a, can we do that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I so you say that. So Brand went top Brand led into that section and, but she, we're talking about the last lap. Yeah. And this was actually kind of the same story as the men's race, as we'll see, like brand came out, out of that section first. And I, I was trying to catch a glimpse cause it looked like there was coming off the top. There was an extra little chicane action you had to do and it was muddy and slick, but it wasn't that muddy. So I could see where going straighter might be a better line, but and I don't know how it worked coming out of it, but brand, played the top and she came out first though even though she was like getting after it it was i i you're right but i still i think that that top line was a little slower and i think brand knew it and if you look at what she did she actually didn't ride to the end she bailed a little early on it and was able to drop down right in front of them. So the line was still high and you sort of had a softer entrance back onto there where I think they were picking up speed. And I think she must've known or felt it or just knew from other laps. And she did right at the end, drop down early and then was able to, to secure that position. So that that's, that's why, I mean, I was thinking about, and I said it was, it was a very Svenness esque you know, section cause it was so strategic through there and just seeing the riders every lap, just really change a little bit and just sort of change their strategy. And then brand to be able to do that at the end and keep out in front. And then, you know, just like we talked about in the men's race, we're at the last lap. That's it, right? I mean, that's where you want to be at coming off that berm is out front. Cause you got the sand and the sprint after that. So I think, uh, I don't know. We talked about, you know, I think it was, was it Rudavorta where Alvarado, uh, made her, she made the move in the sand to win the race. We were like, wow. Alvarado's really good at running. Um, but I think that uh, in the back of our mind, we knew that Brand has gotten really fast. And I forget what, there was one race where she just made up this insane gap just running. And man, I, she beat Alvarado in the sand. It was, that's wild. <laughs> she did. I mean, she almost needs her own sand nickname. I know we have the Dangler, but the Dutch Dangler, but like, like is she Derude? Like, is she the Sandstorm? Like, I, I just... Bill, I mean, <laughs> I don't want to take your joke, Bill, but you you dropped a funny funny little video in the green room chat. Yeah, well, um, I just because I, I think she really if if you go to Terminator Two, 
she <laughs> she runs like that like that next generation Terminator. She's very upright and just like doesn't look like she's she doesn't look like she's struggling at all. It doesn't look like she's trying, but she is just flying. She's got those little steps. She's just straight up and um yeah and just really. Really, it, it, the amazing thing is we we're always like, oh, Brand, she's the roadie, 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 roadie. But the way she's winning some of these races is really off the bike. I mean, she's just got phenomenal speed. We say that now. Yeah, she's we'll a get to Leuven though, where some things happened. <laughs> um, yeah, but like, like how often? Have, uh, she's so she's thirty one. She's decided that she's going all in on cyclocross now. But like, I mean, I don't remember her being a phenomenal runner. It's very clear that she worked really hard on this skill. I, it's kind of interesting to see, and perhaps a learning lesson for the rest of us that, like, even. <laughs> as a baby master, you can develop this running game that can literally win races. It's that, uh, yeah. it, right? We talk about the thing that like, it doesn't matter until it does. And we're actually seeing a lot of these late sand pit races where it actually is, might behoove you in a lot of these super prestiges to be able to run in the sand. Um, but we've seen two races, one in the women's side in the, a sand pit at the end now. I mean, yeah, and, the, and, and, and just going into what you were saying before about, you know, Betsima's, you know, kind of like, Alvarado, but maybe yet without the same punch. The one thing that we talked about earlier that worst in Alvarado always fear about Bran is is her at the end of the races, and she does she gets out of the sand. She's a phenomenal run on the sand, and then she just puts the freaking afterburners on and just goes, you know. And Alvarado is able to match her to what she can, but that's like that's it for Betsima. I mean, once once she gets ahead sees you know green grass and is able to just crush it then then it really was just a race a, a two-up race after that yeah and a, a rare time that prime time was busted i don't know i do you think <laughs> do you think she went back to the to the team bus and thought about or to the the camper and thought about that one i mean she does not lose these days in a, a two-up battle at the end you saw Brandon come across the finish line and uh she was stoked i mean like that was a she needed that win um the Lions needed that win. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I just, I can't, I, I'm just blown away once again by it. Just brand in the sand, like that, 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 that's your place, and that's really, that really was a deciding factor, I think. I mean, so if we are going to try to, and I'm not a roadie, but um, you know, I think the one difference to this one is there was no pinch point. It was, it came up that rise and you were still at speed all the way through. And so that's seems like maybe a sprint where it behooves you to be in the front because you're carrying that momentum through and we'll get to lube. And it had that hard left, which scrubbed all speed, you know, and in that clearly you wanted to probably be second position uh, to kind of make your move. So maybe, I don't know. I, I don't know much about sprints, but it seems like it was a little bit different in that it was always with a good amount of speed that there was none of that playing coy and making your jump. It's just like Brand was just two bike lengths ahead. And even if Alvarado tried to pull through, like Brand's just like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to win this race. Like, yeah, it was, it was super fun. We saw that with Swag too. And it, with both those races, the cool thing on there, they came into the sort of, it was sort of this cobbled finish into this downtown section and around the bend they had, they had these cameras that were sort of tucked underneath the barriers, like, and, and pointing up, which just showed off the speed coming through that final turn before the end. And just seeing them rip around that corner was, was a pretty cool, pretty cool camera angle to, to get into the win. All right. We are, we are running out of time here. Should we just jump into this, uh, 
um, to the to Perrine Clausel show at uh, at Leuven and and talk a little bit a little bit about the uh, the French stars coming out party. Yeah, so I'll make a note. I mean, she finished fifth at Euros, and I had it like on my notes, scribbled on my hand to make a mention of her. I think I think she was taken. I think she was playing the pod snub. Like I think she felt snubbed. <laughs> she listened to the media pit and realized that we did not mention her, uh, despite her great race. And she's just like, you know what? I'm going to do something about that. Okay, Michael, she is she leads for half of this race. She leads yeah. for over 20 minutes. She had a computer on her bike. So my question for you, was she just doing an FTP test? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I w- the one thing I thought was like, wow, Specialized is finally getting some uh, front of the race camera time here. Oh, what are you saying about um, what are you saying about Katarina Nash? <laughs> Where's she at? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think this was this was I, I this is I called it Fern Gully Cross, right? Because it was really the the big feature were these uh, gullies, so these up and down these gullies, and you saw that Perrine just got a hell of a start. A great start. I mean, planned it out, and then once she got to those goalies, she rode them cleanly, and uh, Anik Van Elfen sort of jammed up the rest of the chasers, and that was it. And she had a gap, and she was able to ride those the next lap on her own completely by herself um, until sort of the usual crew kind of got their stuff together and chased her back. But, um, yeah, really fun to have another rider just all of a sudden up in the mix where we're all going on CX-24 and being like, wait, who? Uh, obviously, Zach knew. But uh, I was like, is she a mountain biker? That makes sense, maybe. Oh, all I knew, I didn't know anything else uh, about her. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, it was kind of an, an interesting course. I wanted to give a, a shout out to all the Chicago Cross Cup people. It reminded me of Woodstock, and maybe someone will there's a race there that like long grassy sections i think you even saw what really the 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 obstacles that were spray painted with with chalk i think that's a very american cyclocross thing to so people don't bust their rims i I feel like you usually don't see that in euro races because they're just like deal with it deal with it um but yeah she um you know she got the gap um i i noticed that you know like um, they're coming through and after one lap they're kind of pulling around i think at one point like uh alvarado like looked at ba- backer and was like all right it's your turn and like no sense of urgency but man lap three rolled around and holy crap you could just be like worst is like no no we're no no and then alvarado's like no no this is not happening and then i mean it was it was pretty wild to see them kind of be like oh oh this isn't oh we need to wow we need to do some work here yeah, talk about your heat check, huh, Bill? Yeah, I mean, no, that was a, that was a classic heat check for sure. That was <laughs> that was almost the definition. It, it is the definition of heat check. It's like, hey, I mean, I, I think I'm going good. Let me just keep going. Let's see. Uh, let me just do something uh, crazy and see if it see if it works out. And yeah, I, a great great race for. Her. I thought that uh, looking at Alvarado early on, like second second lap or so, she looked kind of tired, like she wasn't really into it, and I looking back on the race now i i think she was um she was she was playing van alphen and getting her to go out there and do the work and then she was just sitting back and letting her uh letting her take a couple laps there on the front oh she totally did 
Absolutely. They were yeah. just like, uh, oh, are you making, are you trying to make a statement here, little friend? Are you trying to make a statement? No, no, no. Go make your little statement. And she was just like, they're like, eh, we'll just, we're good. We're good. Um, but yeah. definitely once it, once it started to, to, to get real, it was worst was the first animator, I think. And then primetime kind of kicked it up and. But then, then just like we were talking with the last race, once it all, all came together, it was Betsima who came up there and then was doing sort of the Alvarado thing. And she was like, oh no, no, we're not resting. We're, we're, we're still racing. And then she just sort of took off, off from the front. And then they, you know, were basically chasing, chasing her for a while. Um, yeah. Once Clausel, once Clausel jo- jo- uh, drops back into there, um, meets up with Man and Backer. What's going on? A little, a uh, little professional foul there coming around to the uh, to the barriers. <laughs> I didn't. I uh, the Backer fan club didn't see it. So didn't see it. Well, the interesting thing was she t- she she chopped her into the into the post. And then her momentum from making that move forced her to pull out of her pedal. And then she just, so she, she really she gained nothing. It was actually the other way around. She couldn't get clipped in. And then, oh, yeah. so she wasn't getting clipped in. She lost her position. And then, so I, I'll just, I'll just say this. And I know like yeah. Michael's got his fans and there's a shout out to Chris McGovern as well. I'm just, I'm a little baffled of all the right. Like I, I'm all about your Yara standing, like. Love the R standing. I just find it interesting. We established, you know, the story is last year that she was really angry at Jen Jackson at Jingo Cross Night Race. And Jen was really upset because she's Canadian and nice. And like all the other riders were like, oh, don't worry. She does that to everyone. And that was just a, uh, that was dirty. And I think she has a rep that she races that way. So I'm just kind of curious why you've chosen to stand the second biggest villain in the women's cross peloton. That's just why I'm confused. Got in a fight with her team and had to leave. The wheel thing? She got kicked off her team. Like, she's a villain. Like, if if a certain other rider didn't exist, she would be the biggest villain she's in women's heel. cyclocross. She's a cyclocross heel. Get Tim back on the show. Right. There we go. I mean, look, I'm, I'm not going to officially go into standom here. <laughs> I do like, I did, I said, like I said, not, I said some in, words. You're not in backer stand? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I, I said some words. I'm trying to stick by these words. I'm watching her results sort of get back up. She's in the WAP. She finished fifth in this race. Um, I, it, yeah, it does sound like she's probably not a nice person to race against. Um, and I, oh, so the the one thing I thought of, I watched the 30 for 30 about the Detroit Pistons and, and the bad boys and how, I mean, they were assholes on the court bill Ambeer and mahone um and it was just but it was is interesting how they played into that personas and used it to maybe to their advantage so i don't know if bacher is gonna go full bad boy uh which, bad which, girl. which one is, is, is which one is she lambeer yeah, yes, right? so is is betsima rodman I like Rodman. He was on the Bulls. We won three champions. <laughs> like, who was the most? <sighs> I mean, like, Dumars was a nice guy. I don't. I don't know. Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. There you go. There's okay. a villain. Maybe she'll take over the sauces and ruin their franchise after she retires. <laughs> anyway, back back to this race. So Betsy was out there just pushing the pace, and then we got we got our trio. You know that that gaps backer. She's she's out of it, and then we got our trio. We got we got um prime time brand and worst all all right behind so my question for you zach right off the bat i'm putting you on the spot 
out of out of Alvarado, Worst, and Brand, who's Snap, who's Crackle, who's Pop? Wow. Interesting. <laughs> um I don't know. I uh um <laughs> It can go so many different Alvarado's ways. Alvarado's snap, know, really. brand is crackle, and worst is pop? Mm, no, I, I would say that worst is crackle and brand is pop, because she certainly went pop um, that last lap. I mean, well, look, can we get to the last lap? Yeah, let's lap just do, let, let's and, do yeah. this. And Yes, yes, let's do this. Brand does a brand, very on brand. She, she attacks in the start finish. They all sit up. Um, and then she's like, she's like, oh well, no, you got to attack here. She steep bars. It. Yeah. It, it's a name. I mean, clearly, I guess he's invented it. You know, I mean, it, it's becoming her thing, though. Yeah, for sure. She can have it. He's not using it anymore. Yeah. Okay. So it's the brand. It's the brand. And yeah, and then you know, it also in true brand fashion, she takes the lead, gets into the 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 tricky spots, and then just eats it. And like she's done in other races, she's like, sorry, suckers, I'm out front. <laughs> she even, un- unlike Worst, who loses time after losing her chain in the, in the last <laughs> race, she is able to check her chain, but put her body into the only line and like basically make force Betsima to dismount and then get behind her and run up. So she loses like zero time. By, it's, it's just like the, the, the most professional crash ever. Well, and I love that they they had kind of like slow mode her on like I think it might have been the the previous lap or two, um, and there was, I mean, anyone that rides mountain bikes or whatever, you could kind of see those bond trade. There was a lot of back brake being grabbed, and you could just see that that wheel not spinning. And then you, you saw it, and you're like, oh boy. <laughs> but yeah, no, she has so much experience. I mean, I think it's part of what makes her a formidable racer. Is even when she does that, she was you're right. She was putting the chain, checking it, while also cutting Betsima off and getting running. And being like, no, you're you're getting off your bike. You're you're not you're not to carrying momentum yeah. into this uphill. The one thing I didn't mention, like right before that, in an innocuous spot, uh, primetime goes down. Like she's she's sitting. It's after. No, it was before. It was at the beginning of the lap. It was because right by that the allowed hit. when Bran went down. It allowed Alvarado to get back. Yeah, and she did a weird. She tried to cut really close. She tried to do one of those duck ins on a line, and it was a little bit moist. So, I don't know what it was going to get her. I mean, I I know the move. I mean, I think people who race is like when you kind of duck in. Um, but yeah, yeah, you could she just yeah. So she goes down there. They gap her a little bit. Once Brand, Brand sort of helps her out by also going down a little later. She gets back on there. Uh, but Betsima out front, and I think, you know, going back to what we were saying before, not having that punch that these other riders do, she's she's basically in a tough spot. She's like, I, I need to go now. I need to do everything I can to win this race from, you know, half a lap out. And it's, you know, we didn't, the, the things we didn't talk about on this course, there was one, there were two BMX sections right next to each other. It was kind of cool how it worked out. You You know, you went down one aisle of the supermarket and it was just like whoops down this bmx thing you made a 180 turn you came back you went over the planks you go down the next aisle i think that was like the pasta aisle and then you go down and you get like the um into the produce maybe i don't know maybe cereal and then you just had the like these two big uh humps to get over uh i got my stopwatch out again on 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 the whoops Betsima goes into there and prime time is 1.3 seconds back 
when she hits the first whoop. By the time she gets to the last whoop, Betsima touches the top of the last whoop and prime time is 0.9 seconds back. So almost a half second she picks up, turns the corner, and then she's right on her. So it it truly was those those BMX, little better BMX skills that was able to, to, to get her right back on Betsima's wheel. So, Bill, I know you've mentioned this before, and it, I think it's might be the Cross ones where it's like, they look really cool, but nothing happens because they're so well manicured. These look like they built them last Thursday. Um, but you're right. So, <laughs> Betsimo's quicker, and that's that mountain bike background. But you could see that Primetime sprinted just enough to hit them ahead of Brand because she knew that she would lose time because Brand was not riding them right. well. It was actually... The kind of thing that you know in past, Bill, you you know you might say, oh, whatever. But I think it was actually a defi- decisive feature, as you kind of alluded to, um, just in part because it was so just hacked together. Like there was no, yeah. you know, it looked like they just built it. So I thought it was cool. Yeah, the other like, one, those other ones are like wood. I mean, they're not. There's no. They're gonna. You're right. They're they're all built to spec, and they're all and they have the astroturf over them, and they're all kind of perfect. Where these are like, yeah, it's just. I'm sure they timed them out so at least you're not breaking your wrist going through them. But at the same time, they they definitely weren't uh, uniform. But you know, all this meant was that it gave it gave Alvarado the opportunity to get onto Betsima's wheel with still a quarter of a lap left in the race, and she was able to just you know we said she didn't look great in the beginning of the race, but she was able to just catch her breath and just sit on that wheel to the end. And Betsima knew it. I mean, she just she just knew it the whole time to the point that they turn. It's a long sprint to the end. You know, Alvarado is like on her wheel, ready to go. Betsima starts her sprint. And did you all see American Flyers? That, that movie. So basically, long time ago. Basically, she pulls a Marcus Summers. She was like, "Davy, that's the point where I quit." Betsima smiles. She just sort of looks up, has this big sort of shrugs, and then Alvarado just shoots by her and takes the win. You know, it was it was preordained from the time she caught her on the planks. Yeah, I mean, I, I that 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 was that was the note is like where where was that final move going to come? And I I think it really all came down to. I think I mean, you know, Alvarado crashes. You're right before Brand, but once again we see Alvarado make a mistake that she quickly solves, and that doesn't affect her at the end where Brand goes down. And that's kind of her race right there, right? I mean, she she attacked the start finish. She goes down. She's she's discombobulated and like you know she's in her head. And 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 Alvarado has has made a mistake, but knows as you said, Zach knows to be in front in those whoops. And then once she gets on on par with Betsima, you're like, yeah, it's over. Like I got th- sorry, Betsima. There's nothing you're gonna do in this in this sprint. And, and Zach, doesn't it play out differently if Brand is a little closer then Alvarado can't keep that position, right? I mean, she's got to go by Betsima because she's she needs to hold off Brand as, as long as she possibly can. So Brand back in the picture, it's a whole different race. Yeah, I mean, I think we're seeing, and we've I've mentioned it before, I think we're just seeing among those three, um, there's the reason why we put them as the, the three toppers uh, is because I, I think they all fear each other and they all have that mutual respect. And I just, I don't think they're that afraid of like, I mean, they're afraid that Betsima might get away, but like once Alvarado was on her wheel, it was just like, all right, like, you know, there's not that level of fear. And you saw Alvarado looking back and being like, 
please tell me brand is far enough away that like I don't have to do anything here. And she just right. kept looking back. And I think I noticed like Betsima didn't even bother. Betsima's just like run straight ahead. I know I'm going to lose this race. But like, you know, Alvarado's like, where's brand looks back? Where's brand looks back? You know, um, so, yeah, I think you're just seeing it play out. But, you know, Michael, you mentioned this. Uh, love doing our homework. Um, you mentioned listen to brand naughty by nature. Lucinda Brand, yeah, she has a 100% OPP for this season. That's the on-podium percentage, um, which is, I mean, it's great, right? Like, who else Who else has a 100% OPP for the season, Zach? I don't think anyone does. I mean, I, Matthew Vanderpool had a 100% OPP last year. So, Bill... Bill, yeah. Since the beginning of last year, I mean, it goes without saying. Vanderpool, Mister OPP, who has the second highest OPP among both men and women? Ooh, second highest OPP among men. I mean, we're talking about her, Lucinda Brand. Yes, she comes in at ninety percent, ninety percent. And you might say, well, you know, your first thought probably goes to Alvarado. Alvarado, 89.2%. So for Alvarado, 33 of 37 races, she's been on the podium. Brand hasn't raced as much. She's been 18 out of 20. Uh, and Anne-Marie Worst, is, uh, she comes in at 80%. So, um, and, you know, I think it's, and you might say, oh, well, Ailey's higher. Uh, he fell apart at the end of last season. Uh, he only came in, I think Tone was at 62% and then Ailey was at like 57. So it's just kind of a testament to the extent that Ailey just kind of like Tone was that number two, number three guy. And Ailey, for the life of him, was really struggling to get on podiums at the end of last year. So I don't know, kind of interesting stat. I mean, so, right, she's still in a group with, you know, and to her credit, Backer had a great race. So she was in a group of three with Backer worst. And Brand just finds a way to get that third spot, even when, you know, she crashes in the last lap. Like, uh, she is just, she is naughty by nature. I don't know. She's just racking up that OPP. My, my takeaway from that is you still look at the, the, great majority of both the men's and women's fields and most of the racers in there the career milestone will be if they get on a podium one (laughs) and we're like oh 89.3 it's not quite as good as a 90.0 i don't know what is she doing awesome i i thought i i thought you were gonna say that like a majority of the riders in that field were not alive when opp was released <laughs> i really thought that that's where true. you were going probably also true <laughs> i date myself enough <laughs> <laughs> well, anything else we need to cover i think we we had one voicemail uh that we are gonna we're gonna push over to the next next episode and save it for that i think we uh covered covered a lot for for this one zach you gotta gotta know where fast coming out uh we do yeah so there's uh there's a uh we're struggling with this it's real racing fake biking real racing fake biking uh series that echelon project echelon is putting on so they had their first weekend uh it's pretty cool if you if you want to check it out uh, you can find it uh, usa cycling was partnering with them so you can go to the usac youtube page 
or you can go to just Google Project Echelon. But Brad Soner, a friend of friend of the sport, is doing the announcing, and he's you know he's broadening his horizons. It's been pretty fun to see him, and I think he's he did a really great job of of broadcasting these races so they did uh the paderberg so they did some laps of the paderberg which made for actually decent racing uh, and then they climbed the stelvio so it was just a hill climb championship up the fake stelvio so pretty neat so we talked about that uh, and one of our co-hosts mike swart he was in it so his team is racing so he gave us the uh on the ground report from uh his 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 pain cave his bike trainer fantastic you can find all those over on wide angle podium.com michael what you got going on i got i don't got much bill except a bunch of sunset silhouettes from the mississippi river levee if you want to go look at my instagram that's that's my latest creative output (laughs) have you done any um any any fleets yet (laughs) i composed and deleted a bunch of fleets today (laughs) um i yeah it's it's not fleet week yet we're done The Slow Ride Podcast, three idiots who are usually wrong. The Slow Ride Podcast, the titanium of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast. It's like if David Vanderpool had a podcast. The Slow Ride Podcast, the Zwift racing of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast, find the real advice. The Slow Ride Podcast, the arrow helmet of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast, sport leader coming through. The Slow Ride Podcast, when's Lance gonna sue us? The Slow Ride Podcast, the experts in French cycling. The Slow Ride Podcast. Official Fan Experience Zone on Facebook. The Slow Ride Podcast, the gravel bike of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast, both vertically and horizontally compliant. The Slow Ride Podcast. New episodes every Tuesday.